Two Faces Radio. Hey, this is Michelle Malone. You're listening to Two Faces Radio. Hey, save it for the show. (laughs) Hi, everybody. This is Ira. This is part two of the Tinsley Ellis podcast. Hope you enjoyed part one. And stay tuned for other great podcasts coming up next week and beyond. Remember, save it for the show. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, that too, I guess. All right. Ramble on. I take Ramble it on, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to go back. Uh, Georgia Blue is on Landslide, or was re- originally came, released? It was recorded on Landslide, but it came out on Alligator, and that was in 88. Okay, so, see, I never, you know, land. the only thing I knew from Landslide when, you know, we first moved to town or what it was, you know, Sean's early, early mm-hmm. records were mm-hmm. released on Landslide, and so were... Uh, Widespread Panic? Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, Derek Trucks. It. Derek Trucks' okay. first album. I knew it from was it. I didn't realize they went back that far. Now, was, was Michael Rothschild still heading that back in, back in the day? Back oh, yeah. Then? Okay. He did the first, uh, uh, I did the first album with him in 83 when the yeah. Heart Fixers did Live at the Moonshadow, yeah. which was our, our second album. I don't know album. much about that guy, but it seems like he's, he's one that his has ear, his ear to the track. Ear to the and, track, definitely. And, uh and so yeah, and and uh, he's still putting out albums. And, yeah, uh, I know. I, I noticed that. I mean, they're sparse, but it seems like he just likes to help what he really likes. You know, he his band that he's uh, uh, doing now is Scrapomatic, which is Derek Trucks' vocalist, okay. uh, Mike Madison, and he has a duo called Scrapomatic, and hmm. uh, they've done a couple of albums. It's a and, duo. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but they 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 perform as a duo, but uh, they record with a quartet, maybe Ted and Tyler or. Hmm. Or Jan Rico or people like that record, but Michael uh, he he's real choosy about who he has on the label. Yeah, and um, and um, well, it seems like he just does. I, I feel like when he does a record, there's no like five record contract. It, it seems like he does one offs. You know, well, his first album was, on Landslide was Bruce Hampton. Oh, the outside looking out the album. Outside I looking believe, out yeah. it was that one. <laughs> And so that should tell you right there, yeah, you know, that it's going to be a cool label. Right, right. That, that, that's the, uh, and then he did another one on uh, Bruce. Uh, it was called um, Isles of Langerhands. Yeah, and that was a breakthrough for the label when the New York Times declared it the anti-thriller. <laughs> Came out of the same year as um, <laughs> nice, same year as Michael Jackson's yeah. Thriller, and yeah. it was declared the anti-thriller. <laughs> Which is at Bruce Hampton goes perfect, you know, perfect, <laughs> and uh, you know, and that's yeah. a great thing. And yeah. uh, and if you track New York Times and they write about you, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, what it, it could be horrible or it could right, be great, right. but they they meant that as a compliment. Any news Any is good. Any news, news is good. Yeah, yeah, and that um, you know, to be compared um, to be the anti thriller right. was a good thing. Well, right, and yeah, yeah, and if they meant it as a compliment, yeah, the antidote. Of course, you know, us at the time we thought the thriller was you know well, great. Thriller is great. great. Still thriller, like thriller. thriller. But um, but I could see people our age at the time being like thriller, eh. thriller, please. You're right. Um, now was uh, Michael responsible for getting you the attention f- from Alligator? Yes. Um, at the time, we had done uh, one, two, three Heart Fixers albums, and I told him I wanted to. I remember I was up on stage in 1987, and I looked around, and it was like, where did the heart fixers go? Who are these people? They weren't, <laughs> they, you know, they're like people had quit or been fired or whatever. And and I looked around, and uh, there was like nobody in the band that yeah. was, you know. And so it, you know, I think it, it all goes back to that thing that uh, John Lee Hooker told Steve Miller back in the 60s. He said, uh why would anybody start a band and not name it after themselves? Which is you know, somewhat Machiavellian. Right. <laughs> Big word for a bluesman. Even a blues rocker. Right. But, you know, Guitar and driven. so I yeah. kind of bit the bullet and, and started doing it under my own name. Yeah. But really, in essence, it was the same, you know, business model, you know. Right. Talk three other guys into yeah. doing it and get in a whole truck and drive all around right. like like a teenage <laughs> idiot. That's my business plan. I just never did it because my name is Ira. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, <laughs> but um, 
So that was. But you know, having yeah. a short name is good. That means the letters are going to be larger. Yeah. Like if you're sheriff. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. Right. See, like you're Malkin. I'm McClenning. Who's going to put that on a poster? You want to have, you wanna have a short like, name like Cher. Yeah. <laughs> or Michael Landon. Nice. Michael Landon has a nice ring to it, whereas Landon. his real name, Israel Horowitz, that's kind of a long name, you know. And <laughs> is that so, his real name? Oh, absolutely. And so you want to have like a short name. So Ira is good. Big, the letters are going to be big. Yeah. True. Think about it. But everybody's going to think it's the Irish Republican Army, and then that'll <laughs> just be We're scared. Running into it, is one, it is one letter away from the IRS, too. So Tinsley cracked me up one night. We are at Northside long time. It was during the... The Clinton scandals, I guess. Okay. The Clinton, the the yeah, Monica. We yeah. Tinsley says to me, and I, I just remember this now. He goes, "Hey man, I got a great name for you." <laughs> I said, "What?" He goes, "Oh my god, <laughs> you remember, remember this? Harmonica Lewinsky." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been. <laughs> How do you remember that? I, I didn't don't even know. Remember. How did I remember that? I guess having hard. you in the room. That would have been funny at the time. Of course, now there's been like so many scandals and, and, yeah. and beheadings and Oh, that's still a classic one. I mean, come that on. It, think about that now. You well, give it a total new meaning when somebody looked at you and said, said blow, Ira. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could have worked. On, it could have worked on so many levels. But, you know, <laughs> Bruce Hampton was the greatest at coming up with stage Oh, I'm names. sure. When oh, he, had, um, he had... Uh, Jeff Mosier in the band initially, and his stage name was Ban Jovi. So Bruce really comes up with it. I don't know where Harmonica Lewinsky comes, but that was that is well, a good one. It seemed like a lot. Of, I mean, nobody to else this, had thought of it, but it to this like day, Ira and I do uh, a thing we saw Bruce do at. Um, well, this is a visual thing. It's not going to come visual, off on radio. I know, but you know, we saw him play at Smith's Old Bar, and the ago. whole band just paused in the middle. Some in the middle of some song. And they all put like one hand over their eye and the other hand like out. Well, I think he just did that. Maybe Everybody did a did wacky it. pose, put, and he yeah put one hand over his eye and the other hand out, <laughs> and they all just paused like that for a moment, and then went right back at the blank. And we were like, "How did that happen?" Performance yeah. art. It is. Yeah, that's it's the awesome. che- cheese frog. That's what that move is called. Yeah, um, shout outs, cheese frog. Cheese frog. Oh yeah, yeah. There we go. All right. Yeah, I think it comes from an album concept that he, Bruce had at one point, which was going to be. Cheeses of Nazareth, and it was all these cheeses. Cheeses of Nazareth. Yeah, and, yeah, and it was going to be all these good. cheeses and things, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's got a million of them. I can, <laughs> no way can I outpun that man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Well, who was who was it? Bill, who was roommates with him? Who, who was roommates with him that we just had in recently? Probably Bill. Bill. Yeah. 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 It, it was that was a long yeah, time yeah, yeah. ago. So I had, we had to ask him about that. You yeah, know what it was like living with Bruce Ant. Yeah, you know that was interesting. That doesn't sound that bad or that good either. <laughs> <laughs> interesting to say the least. I'm My sure. idea of a good situation is where I check into a hotel, take the phone off the hook, oh yeah, and hang the "Do Not Disturb" sign yep. on the door. Is that a roommate situation? I don't <laughs> no. think so, but that sounds like yeah, yeah. really good to me. And then get on the <laughs> computer. Got to be a computer involved, right? <laughs> um, all right, so back to alligator. You know, getting. The attention of Alligator. Did we ever really get into how that all came about? Oh, well, I had sold out to a big beer company. Oh, yeah? Who, oh, nice. Whose name remains. I'm going to keep that confidential. Okay. What do you and mean sold out? This beer company in Milwaukee, a really big one. Right, um, see, now we're narrowing it down. And... <laughs> yeah. um, they had all the. They had a. They had a sponsor, Rhymes with Thudmiser. They, no, they, no, just kidding. They sponsored bands from all over the country. And yeah. They had like Delbert McClinton from Texas and the Paladins from San Diego and us from here in Atlanta. And we basically we got promotional materials and some money and um, posters and. Uh, this is before you were with Alligator. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we all went to beer school. Oh. And at beer school, we were told what to say oh. when interviewers <laughs> asked, um, you know, because they knew that, you know, we were going to be interviewed. And the question of, you know, being sponsored by a, yeah, it makes a product that could be construed as slightly dangerous to some people. <laughs> right. Controversial. Um, at, right. Controversial. And um, and basically, we were trained to be good stewards of the beer industry. 
And so now let me picture this. Was this like a classroom and they showed videos or was it? Oh, just... it was. Yeah. And we were very sarcastic. And there was all these bands. <laughs> was it really like that? Oh, yeah. It was, it was... <laughs> and there were all those all the bands that were participating. And then every night all... they got us totally smashed on their product. Right. And, uh, and then we had to drag ourselves out of bed in the morning and go. And there was about 20 bands. And a lot of these are bands that are. This is crazy. That are Apparently still... they signed contracts. <laughs> They're still t- touring today like Little Charlie and the Night Cats. Yeah. And, uh. You know, there's people from all over America. And um, so basically, uh, Bruce Iglauer, since it was close to Chicago, and he being the president of Alligator, came up there and um, attended beer school with us. And um, how, many, how many days is it? It was like three days, but it felt like a year. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Somebody needs to make a movie about it. So like we went, we went up there, and um, we were trained in uh, the ways of beer promotion. <laughs> And um, yeah, it's a got, good skill to got, have. The, got the rules, you know, and of course, yeah. you're very sarcastic. And, uh, and so we went up there and Bruce Siglauer was there with, I think, little Charlie and the Nightcats. And so me and Michael Rothschild kind of made nice, nice with him. And, and one thing led to another and he became interested in having okay. me um, with a label. And, yeah. uh, and it, it, it's worked out very well, even though I've left... Uh, I went to Capricorn Records at one point, and then and, Telark, and I went to Telark, um, and uh, but came back to Alligator. So, yeah. you know, it's um, it's worked out very well because it's nice to be with a label that's all about guitar playing. You know, Albert Collins, yeah. the yeah. Sun Seals, and Otis Rush. Well, and they're just the Lonnie's mainstay. You know, they're like yeah, working is. for a huge company that you know isn't going anywhere. Or. Well, it's, um, I mean, it's a go-to label. Yeah. If you think of, you know, um, they've always got somebody. And now now their their top act right now is Mofro, which is cool because they're not, they're not even necessarily what I would consider – even blues rock, they're just good music, yeah. and so they're they're branching out a little more, and uh, and that's kind of cool too. And um, so we've over the years toured with all of those bands and jammed with all of right. them. And uh, but yeah, it all started up in Milwaukee at a, huh. at a hotel during that's an now, ice storm. All those guys. W- did end up signing with uh, Alligator, too. I mean, I know Paladins were on there. A lot of them did, Delbert yeah. McClinton was on so there, too. So Bruce was up there scouting, you know. Right. Dick Lauer was scouting us, and... And uh, he had a lot of his bands on the program, too. You know, uh, Lonnie Brooks was up there. Yeah. And, and Delbert McClinton was an alligator act at the time. And so, yeah, I mean, it, that kind of how, how it started. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then we, um, you know, that was 88. So that's a long time ago. We made the first album here in Atlanta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With uh, Jan Rico on drums and oh, Ricky really? Keller on bass and Oliver, oh, Oliver Wells on the organ and then Room Full of Blues horn section. Wow. wow. We did that over at, um, which is now Outcast Studio. Oh, yeah. Uh, right, ne- right next to Stonehenge. Yeah, next yeah. to where I record now. And uh, we did that like in two days. And Brendan O'Brien uh, hmm. was the engineer and mixed wow. it for us. Huh. And, uh and it was, it was a and really Rodney Bills, it was a of course. Cool, it was a cool time. Yeah. And that was a, a whole scene where... Where these people who have gone on to you know bigger and better things, or some of them have passed away, yeah. but I was able to, to sort of tap into that machine of yeah. of southern rock music right. right right at that time. Well, even before I moved in, well, by the way, I'll I'll, I'll interject for a second. Brian and I recorded between those two studios. Yeah, right, yeah, right in between. <laughs> I've, I've been to that studio. Southern too. Living at its finest. Yeah. That's right. Well, yeah. that studio is no longer there. Actually. Yeah. Yeah, we would be we'd be finishing up our sessions like right. at one or two, and uh, Stankonia was just getting started. Yeah, <laughs> over there. Yeah, Outcast late studios. nighters. Yeah, yeah. yeah we well, saw when you own the studio, you don't you don't really watch the clock, and you can yeah. sort of appear when you want True, to, yeah. which would just happen to be like in the middle of the night for most musicians. <laughs> right, right, right. Seems like a good time. Yeah. <laughs> just finished having a good time. And right now, I'm ready to record. <laughs> um, I forgot what I was going to say before, but what I, what I was going to say before that is um, now when you went on with Capricorn, um, how did that all come about? Or is that just something well, you talk a, about? Or you oh, yeah. It was, I, it was, I remember when when you joined back, back with Capricorn. I remember that time because Capricorn had moved back to Atlanta. That's right. right? To, and I remember that was kind of like a big buzz. And then it kind of and then it. Well, it was last. it was the right place, wrong time, and it, yeah. it was a huge thing for me at the time to to get with uh, the Walden family, and um, 
and to get with Capricorn. And I think the courtship started um, when uh, they got back together as a label, and their first act when they got back together was uh, Widespread Panic. Yeah. And, and at the time, Widespread Panic was on landslides, so Michael Rothschild was able to um, – assist in moving them over to the Capricorn label. So it was really a natural transition to go, um, you know, over there. And uh, it was a great thing. But, you know, they sold the label right after my album came out. I'm really lucky that the album came out at all. Oh, why? Well, because they were were selling the company. And I really feel like they... They put out the album just because they liked the album and they liked me and they knew that I was local. Then I would come over and beat them up if they didn't put the <laughs> album out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was just one of – that's happened to a lot of blues artists where they get the opportunity to go with the big label. Yeah. And then something happens, you know. I know that Otis Rush went with uh, – at one point he went, I think, with Capitol Records back in the 70s and uh, – the le- label went through something, and his album ended up sitting on the shelf for three years oh, or something. Geez. You know like which that. album that was? Was it um, Right Place, Wrong Time, or one of those? Uh, something like that. Yeah, Morning in the Morning. In that, maybe, maybe that might have been it. The one he did in Muscle Shoals, but it was. <laughs> I bring those period. up because those are my two favorites. <laughs> I might that, hit name on my two favorites at that period, and. Um, so that's a distinction that is saved for like blues artists to get an opportunity and then to have things go south. Yeah. So it's, it's just a part of my story, I guess. I just remember it really kind of sucking <laughs> hearing about <laughs> Capricorn oh, yeah. because they were like the Southern rock yeah. label, you know? I mean, everybody from. Or just Southern label. From early. Southern, yeah. Early did, on, did you like get to work Leonard with Tom Skinner, Dow? Almond, yeah, I worked with Tom Dow before that. And. Uh, huh. Um, that was a, a great experience too, and um, but I think what really happened with um, the cats that had Capricorn Records are really, really smart people. And they were they made the transition between rhythm and blues, southern rock, and Woodstock era, and all that. And they yeah. knew things were always changing. They left the business when the business wasn't doing well. In the 80s, sat that out, came back in the 90s, and had huge success with bands like Cake and Cake, 311. Yeah. And then um, and then they sold their label at the perfect time to sell a record label because mm. things have really... It's right before the digital... Uh, right before you could... Get, my son pointed out to me that a lot of my songs are for free on the <laughs> internet, if not everything, <laughs> yeah. and... Um, and uh, I, I wouldn't know where to find it, but evidently y'all do. And, um, and yeah, that's – how do you compete with that? Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's a tough you, one. you got to go out and tour. you got to have a really good-looking <laughs> album cover or something like that, and that's right. not even enough. And uh, so, yeah, I think that, that the, the selling of their label it came at the perfect time. And um, not the perfect time for me, but the perfect yeah. time for them. And uh, – and now we have we're wondering what's going to be next in the music business. And um, well, right now, yeah, I know that uh, ZZ Top has made a new album, and I don't know how long it's been finished, but I think it's been finished for a while. Yeah, and they're waiting to put it out. Oh, and geez. they're also very smart people. Yeah, because they started off as a as a blues rock act, and then rode the wave of southern rock, and then rode the wave of MTV. Yeah. yeah, and. Uh, I think that people who are smart are looking for the next wave to ride. Right. Now, what that could be, I have no idea. I'll ask Billy Gibbons. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I would uh, I would like to know. Hire him as a consultant. And I, then I would like to know whether it is possible that I could be involved. It doesn't <laughs> seem possible, but I'd like to know so that I can say I knew about it first. But, yeah, something is going to happen, and I'm not sure what it is. And hmm. um, maybe people are going to have credit cards with albums on it. <laughs> and you put your credit card thing in a, a hand. Everything is going to the handheld yeah. thing, yeah. definitely. Uh, and maybe you buy music, um, and, and you put it into your handheld thing, and then that gives you the music you want to buy. And it'd be cheaper because it's not a you know a disc yeah. with a plastic box. Or maybe people next will be subscribers to music, sort of like what they do with some of these. Yeah, like Rhapsody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you're going to subscribe and you're going to. So like an artist. Or no, subscribe to listening to 
a certain amount of music in the course of a month. Right. Well, that's what right. Rhapsody yeah, is. They I mean, have you just it. Yeah, your yeah. monthly thing. Yeah. And then, well, now, you know, who was it? Uh, the Gorillas, I think. Yeah. That band. They just, just. Gorillas. Gorillas, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Gorillas. Gorillas. With a Z on it. Makes no, the letters no larger. Yeah. Right. Makes that, the letters, letters bigger. And the right. Z makes it something. Makes it hip. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they just released a new record totally free, I think. They really? were just like, mm-hmm. yeah. They were just like, it's online. Go get it. I mean, what is the next step from that? I so I don't know, know what you we know, pay. Like, what do you we do? pay people. To say, I know we're going to give you five dollars if you'll take this album. Off yeah, right, right. <laughs> please, please, please. Buy our hold it, hold it for a minute. <laughs> but we're going to steal your car while you're listening to it. <laughs> right. So we actually we come out ahead. No, yeah, there's going to be something. Something is is around the corner, and uh, God, I hope it involves me. But. Um, <laughs> I think that that's what we're waiting for. Um, I think it's podcasting. It's such a different time. It's such a different time now. I mean, you know, the kids nowadays they don't, uh, they don't start care with the about, kids nowadays. Well, I mean, that's what they are, and these are nowadays. So, um, <laughs> they are, <laughs> these are the days that are now. <laughs> but they, you know, they they don't care about albums anymore. You know, they're, they're just oh, buying. It's just that's songs, and songs, and songs, and songs. They don't even care that they like much about the artists. On, on you don't even want a song. You want to snip it. I, right. Yeah. They just want to. Well, piece. and we we spend months crafting, you know, what order our songs are going to appear right. on an album. Right. So we have yeah. a good flow. And they don't give a shit. They, they put care. it on shuffle. They just well, want one song. It, that's just the way. And, mm-hmm. and uh, that's why when we are fortunate enough to make an album, it's really important to have the good songs at the, at the beginning. Of right. It. You front load the things. Right. Because... Um, because it is in the shuffle mode, and and if somebody's listening to something, which would be in their car probably, and you know it's a short drive, three songs, three four songs. Yeah. yeah. So you got to front load the thing. Back in the day, we used to think of okay, such and such a song is going to close side one of the album, and such and such a song is going to close side two and these were always right. songs that would be of like somewhat epic proportion right, you know yeah. Stair- you know, stairway and, goes on yeah and it's yeah. gonna fade out yeah. and people are making love to your album hopefully and and then they're gonna fall asleep as this yeah. thing is needles, fading out the needles right. gonna yeah. now they're gonna wake up and they're gonna be like that was awesome. Let's turn the record over. <laughs> right. Nowadays, you sit at your computer and you work online, or you pretend to be working at your job, and but you're really listening to music. Well, you're not listening that carefully, and it's coming out of these little tiny plastic speakers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when was the last time somebody said, "Hey, come over to my house. I got these new Advent speakers. Let's put on Dark Side of the Moon and right. see how good it sounds." I know. And if anyone talks, you know, they're, they're totally yeah. shunned. Like, yeah. no talking during this. Yeah. Now it's back. We're back. Uh, I'm music, sure the people that are still passing the bong around the room, they're, they're probably still doing that. Yeah, they're probably mm. listening on real <laughs> On the computer speakers. Those, they're uh, tiny little plastic <laughs> right, things. Man. Listen to that, man. But at least nowadays, at least nowadays we have subwoofers. And so yeah. we that's a trade-off because they, they really make things sound really good, really fast. Well, and then the problem, not the problem, but I mean, I'd say it's even more headphones out there. Yeah, you know what I mean. Which or is, ear pods. Yeah. yeah, right. And uh, yeah, I. Um, I mean, I listen to stuff all day long on on headphones, and I'm probably going deaf, but that's the way oh, I yeah. do it. And I feel like more people are doing that as well. You know. Yeah. Sometimes I go to push the volume. I'm like, oh, I want this a little loud, and then it's it's already maxed out. And I'm like, oh Jesus, yeah, well, what's happening here? What? <laughs> Hello? Huh? <laughs> what? Um, all right. So where were we? I don't know where were we. Are you gonna play a song or? Yeah, what? I know. Oh, I, was, yeah. I was thinking that. I'm You're like, just well, have, am, I, am I conversationalist? Well, I, I, I know, and, and you know, I, I want to play a song, but we, you know, you get onto a good flow and you want to keep going. All right, we're gonna hear the next thing. We're gonna hear is uh, from. Do you want to call it the latest album? I mean, it's, we're gonna call it that. Well, yeah, I guess that's technically what it is. Well, that's I'm not, not gonna say new, but I'll say latest. We're gonna call it new. It's new somewhere. It's it was it's we always went, new. Somewhere. We went and played in Russia, and it was new in Russia. <laughs> right. So yeah, in Guam, they're just there's a place where it's new. Yeah. By the way, where's the country that you think you're uh, most beloved? Well, hopefully, hopefully here in America. But uh, yeah. I tell you what, we well, do I feel really... like you know I always talk to people and they're like, man, overseas they just go ape shit. The farther yeah. north we go, the better we do. Like Canada. Even, oh yeah. Or Milwaukee or, or uh, Minnesota. 
Yeah. Or uh, anywhere, the farther north we go, because people love southern music. Yeah. And, um, and local bands play southern music up there, and it's, it's still the way it was with, with Elvis Presley. We are driven by this thing that runs through the middle of the country, the Mississippi River, you know, and, and uh, that's just... Uh, so we, we go places where they like southern music. Now, is that here in the South? Not necessarily. We want music from Australia or yeah, somewhere yeah. here. So there's always that thing where if it comes from far away, it must be better. Right. So I don't make the rules. Grass is always greener. It's I more guess. It's like one of those things. I don't make mystical. the rules. I just enforce them. But yeah, uh, I, I like good old music made in the USA, man. That's what I like to hear. Too. That's what we're going to hear. Too, right. Too. All right. What we're going to hear here is um, the album Speak No Evil, and we're going to hear the title track. Which oh, is, good idea. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like a like an FM radio host or something. He yeah, riding back in here with two faces radio. I mean, I apologize to our listeners that are getting into that just like we are, I know. and that I have to hear our voices. But listen, <laughs> I want you to go out and buy this record. That's yeah, and all your records. I want people to come to the Variety Playhouse, and that yeah, too. That's, that's what too. I want. That's well, the big yeah, thing. yeah, they will. But there's people in China listening right now too. And well, they they're can... welcome to come. It's going to be a long <laughs> trip, and frankly, you know, I've heard of trips better planned than that. That'll be more an ex- notice. That'll be an expensive uh, 
a ticket price right there. Sure will. On the way from China. Be. Um, now, when Alligator, you know, when you're going to get back in the studio and start working uh-huh. on a new album, is it more of you saying, all right, I got a bunch of tunes ready, I'm ready to go? Or does Alligator kind of say, yeah, so it's been a year or so? What, what do you think? It really works both ways. Nobody yeah. wants to appear overly excited about <laughs> anything. You know? yeah. I got these songs. Oh, yeah, it's about time for another album. Yeah. Let me hear the songs. Okay, uh, when do you think about putting it out? I don't know, let me hear the songs first. That kind of thing. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants to get too excited, but really, we're we're just thrilled to be working on another album right now. So, um, <laughs> Right. How know. come you don't want to appear too excited? Um, because, you know, I'm a diva, and I want to be like, <laughs> I want to be courted. <laughs> so you want them to... I want to be courted. Right. I want them to... Come on, Tinsley. Uh, you on, know, I, frankly, they're offering me a Chrysler, but I want a Cadillac, because it's <laughs> right. Cadillac or, or else for, for blues artists. And, uh, no, it's just... Yeah, <laughs> I, I get you. People who, who like, say, I really want to do an album, you know? Like, yeah. They don't tend to, you know... You kind of got to make it yourself if you're too right. eager. So yeah. little dance we do, and we do it well. Do you listen to yourself? You said you were, I don't know, you said your vocals were a work in progress. And so do you listen to songs now? Do you have a hard time listening to yourself? Or is it at the point where ah, I I sound good? Listen to well, it, I, I think good. I would rather drink a diet soda <laughs> up my nose through a straw than hear myself sing. Oh, really? And so I'm worried like about that anybody that feels differently about their, their singing. Ever call your answering machine and hear your voice on it? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound good to the person. Oh, I know like, what you're saying. Yeah. You know it's what I'm saying? And uh, evidently, uh, Tom Dowd told me that when Rod Stewart when they did albums together, he would not even listen to the playback of his vocals. Really? Wow. They would have, you know, he would have to trust them for it because, I mean, whose voice sounds good to themselves? Right. Listen, I got both of you beat. I found a lead singer. Right. Oh, yeah. You know? So I just well, that's decided not to do it. That's a reason to have a singer. Oh, and I get depressed <laughs> when I hear myself, too. Right. Right. <laughs> and so you leave the room, yeah. and, then, and then we talk about you and, and avert our that's eyes right. when you come back in. <laughs> That's but no, it's it's not fun. Um, it's really not fun to hear hear yourself sing. You know, even and, after uh, all these years, huh? It it doesn't seem to get any better. It's getting worse. <laughs> you ever had a phenomenon? Just kill me now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Brian and I have had had this phenomenon that when we did that first record, we came back one night. Oh, well, God, I guess we yeah. had a good buzz on or something. But we listened to it right after being in the studio, and it sounded Faster. like somebody had put it on forty five. Yeah. Has that ever happened to you before? No, but I tell you what, what? everything sounds great in the big studio. Yeah. And then you got uh, yeah. the big speakers. Yeah. The problem is is that the listener in his car does not have those right. big speakers. Well, that's exactly. what we would. And so you got to make them even bigger. Yeah, yeah. We'd make a CD and go out to the car and, and see how it sounded it, while we were in the studio. It, yeah. It's sort of like buying a car. As soon as you leave the lot, the value goes down. <laughs> right. and then, so the, the, the trick is to listen to be in the uh, in the studio making the album the big studio and Put have like really box. crappy speakers yeah. in yeah, there right. and uh, all the great studios have really crappy speakers in yeah. addition to their really valuable unaffordable things and then you listen but f- it still sounds funny when yeah. you get home <laughs> it still is totally different so yeah I, I don't know whether you're caught up in the moment or what but um yeah, and so I guess the 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 trick is to equalize somehow or another the listening experience from the time you the time you um, first hear it in the studio through the big speakers, and the, and three months later when you've listened to it and criticized it and sucked all the soul out <laughs> of it, and and it just it just it doesn't sound any good at all. Then. Right, right. So um, I did this album with one time. It was the Capricorn album I did with with Richie Hayward and. Uh, great drummer for little feet who unfortunately just passed away mm. but we listened to a song back and we couldn't get we couldn't decide you know is this is this good you know and we were like and then about the fourth listen of it he said 
maybe it would sound better if we didn't listen to it. And so maybe I think that describes <laughs> a lot key, of right? a lot of music. Yeah. Music would sound better if you didn't listen to it, or if you you're in the, in the kitchen. If you're in the kitchen preparing yeah, a meal, you hear it in right. the background, and someone that you really like is singing, and your your ear you're being drawn into it. But yeah. if you sit right down to it, mm. unless you're Dark Side of the Moon, <laughs> which is really the standard I judge pretty much anything against, it's <laughs> really? not gonna it's not gonna to give you the the payback you want, <laughs> right, right, so right. don't listen to it. <laughs> Just don't listen to it, <laughs> unless you're dark side of the moon. How how close do you feel like you get in the studio to shift from the vocals to the guitar sound you want and um, the recorded version of? Because well, you of know your you can life. get it live. Because yeah. Well, first of all, you got the amp with Stevie Ray settings. So. I got that. Yeah. I got that working for me, but um. <laughs> Basically, Do you still get frustrated with that at all? Or? Yeah, but th- there is a good stuff to being in the studio too, which means you can really work on it. You yeah, know, yeah. live is like sports photography, where you just <laughs> try to capture the moment. Yeah. yeah, and then studio is like more of like portrait, where everybody yeah. gets a pose, you know, and you're at Owen Mills and this, the you know, the class picture, and the guy in the back, open your eyes more, lean in, you know, and, thing, yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. having a portrait made. So the good thing about being in the studio is if you're in bad voice, you get a second shot at yeah. it. and uh, But it all really delays the moment of truth anyway, which is, you know, are people going to move their shoulders when they listen to right. it? Right. You know, and uh, and so we work on it a little more and more. And I, I find myself working more on um, – on the singing part and the arrangements and the tempos of song, especially, and then less on the fiery guitar solos or the uh, song itself, because right. that kind of flows out easier uh, yeah. of us. And uh, and the singing part is something that does have to be worked on more, and um, how- unless you're BB King <laughs> or Aretha Franklin. And frankly, who of us are? So we have to work on it more. Yeah. There's only a few voices. No, like that. yeah, that's the rarest commodity. Speaking of BB King and you know the people of the, that caliber, before we're not going to keep you too much longer here, so I just want to get into a couple more things. But uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about some of your your greatest sit-ins. You know, I remember mm. we were we were probably at Northside again one night, and uh, I guess we were just hanging out bullshitting. And I said, "Well, what do you got going for the weekend?" And you said, "Well, I got to go out and." Uh, play a couple shows with Buddy Guy. And <laughs> I, th- I probably did a spit take. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, have a good weekend. I'm going to go. Uh, what are you doing? I'm playing in the harmonica, Lewinsky. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm at Fat Matt's making 30 bucks. Um, so as far as people that, you know, some of your idols that you've wanted to play with or some, I mean, uh, what were some of the greatest ones where mm. you found yourself on a stage with somebody and were uh, locked in that moment going... Wow. Well, um, chill factors. Yeah. Almond Brothers, anytime I've got a chance to sit in with them, they've always invited me, and that's nice, that's nice you know. And, uh, and that's what still was the best on? lineup you ever sat in with? Of the Almond Brothers? Yeah. Uh, Dickie Betts, Warren Haynes, Alan Woody, the two dr- three drummers, yeah. Greg Almond. Uh, that was a good one. But there was another time where Dickie Betts just came up out of the audience. And played an entire set with us, and it was great. Oh shit! And it was like, yeah, it was it was awesome. And uh, a lot of them are impromptu. The ones that uh, don't seem to work as well as the ones that are planned. Yeah. And then the ones yeah. where famous dude jumps up on stage and sits <laughs> in, or, uh, or or you know. If I know I'm going to be doing it, it's not as fun as if, you know. Yeah, it just happens. It just happens. Yeah. And uh, Well, did you ever get to play with BB? I have never. I've oh, opened okay. for him many times and toured with him, but I've never okay. never done anything other than take a bow. Yeah. And uh, But I'd like to. Yeah. Um, Albert Collins was always very gracious, and I sat in with him. Oh, and you, you brought up Otis before. Otis, Otis Rush. Rush. I did a set with Otis and Rush. Otis and just seems like a... Like a myth to me, or something, you know. Like I'm, a, I've been a huge fan of him forever, and I feel, you know, I've obviously never seen him live. Oh, and great. I feel like he doesn't play outside of Chicago. Not, does not it? anymore. No, yeah. uh, I think he's in, uh, you know, not great health at the moment. Yeah. But um, yeah, he uh, he let me play and uh, buddy guy a number of times. Yeah. Um, How was playing with Otis? Oh, it was great. Yeah. Uh, he. Um, 
that was at a festival, and we went on earlier in the day. And then at the end of the night, he was the last act to play, and uh, he got me up there, and and, uh, and we, we we had a good one. That was yeah. a, that was a good one. Okay, yeah. So that was one of the yeah. Uh, that was a good one. Chills. And um, any time I played with Derek Trucks has been great. From oh, yeah. the time he was. He sat in with us the first time when he was like 12 or 13, and right. it's never been anything other than great. Yeah. And and he's then, another and one we've gotten to see when he was around here a little bit. Yeah. Well, I remember yeah. seeing him at the 40 Watt. So were, you, were you at that show? Uh, I don't know. I don't think and that was, was the first. No. I mean, I think I had seen him around, but that was the first yeah. time I was like, wow, this guy's really doing something different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, you he's, know. he's, um, he's the dude now. He's the, the Not a vocalist, guy. though. Ira and I were backstage when um, George Thorogood was about to sit in with BB for the first time. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> Where was that at? At Chastain. How about that? Well, that's cool. We were. I know we were. <laughs> that's cool. We almost got ourselves we, kicked out. We did. Yeah. <laughs> Brian was being an asshole. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> um, but I mean, he was nervous. You know, like to see somebody like that. You know, just. Kind of almost like just you know shaking, you right. know, just kind of walking oh, back yeah. and forth, you know. It's it's, it's lets you know what what's BB going King, on. Out he's there. like he's like Moses or right. something. <laughs> right. Mo- Moses wants you to come up here and help him. Uh, all right, Moses wants me <laughs> part the red part the yeah part what, the, whatever uh, he did. I always forget what he did. Was he the one that parted something? He, was he the was he, he the had ten, the Moses wants you to come out he here and help him part the Chattahoochee. Was he the, the ten, <laughs> ten Commandments guy? Was he the Ten Commandments? Oh, yeah, I guess he was probably the Ten Commandments. Yeah, but Moses and the Ten Commandments. Mo- Moses, could you go over that part about the neighbor's wife again? I'm a little <laughs> iffy on that one. <laughs> right. But you would get the opportunity I, to do that if he had. I might to, need but. to be reminded. Yeah, I mean, BB. That was another when I. To come full circle, when I, we started this podcast, I told you about buying the uh, Alligator 20th Anniversary oh, yeah. record. I mean, the other I th- – it may have been the first real blues record I bought was uh, Live at the Regal. Mm-hmm. Um, the first tune you know, off of that album, B.B. King, when he just comes out and it, everything's such high energy and his guitar is up so loud. And oh, it's yeah. just, so for those first notes, and it's just a few notes of him playing mm-hmm. and the band is cooking behind him like that. And uh, – Anybody who wants a good blues introduction, I always recommend that album. Oh, that's a good one. And, yeah. and it's still like that at a B.B. King concert. Yeah. The first notes, Except he's you, sitting down. you just know. Yeah. And I remember um, we went, uh, we were playing down at a nightclub show during New Orleans Jazz Fest. And we went over that afternoon to the festival and B.B. Yeah. King was playing. And, of course, when he plays, you, you go. You just, there's no question about it. You go, <laughs> yeah. you go. I mean, and, uh, and so me and... Uh, drummer and and the evil one and and oliver wood are standing there and um and we're up on a up you know sort of far away and and the and bb's band does their um does um you know their intro songs and they call him up and and he puts the guitar on and he hit like one note and immediately me and Oliver Wood just fell to the ground. That was it. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. You know, just we we just were were knocked down. That was it. And uh, and you just you just know so fast. Yeah. And how that really doesn't happen with a bunch of other people. I know. You know. And um, I think that's what did it to me back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I heard like, that, and I was like, all right, like hello. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and there's just those kind of moments, you know. And, and they don't seem to make BB Kings anymore, which is kind of which is yeah. kind of bad. And um, yeah. So anyway, um, I'm a fan f- first and foremost. Okay. You know, and I go out to the shows, and there are less shows to go to anymore as people like Otis Rush don't travel anymore. Yeah. And yeah, and we lost Coco Taylor, and that was terrible. Yeah. They don't make Coco Taylors no. anymore. And um, and then I always wanted to see Chuck Berry too, and he's still around, but he he just had some health problems recently. I don't know if he's going to be playing anymore. Yeah. I never got to see him. Yeah, I haven't seen Chuck Berry either. Really? But, uh, but it seems like we should. I know. Since, yeah. you know. Well, all yeah. these guys, I always feel like you know I can't do it now. You know, like even Otis. You know, I know he still. Or I don't know about just recently, but he was playing around Chicago for a while. Oh, I'm like, yeah. God, I'm such a big fan of his. I got to make a trek to Chicago. He's one not time. playing much anymore. And and, uh, and go see him. Well. It's not going to happen now. I mean, uh, what am I doing? I I'm, I'm too busy for hey, this stuff. What, you know, what, what there's, there's priorities, and I should, really should go to Chicago. Yeah, that's what you're telling yourself. I know. And come back. Too. Go when, west. When you go there, do come back. I will come here. back. 
Yeah, we like you here. All right, well, I'm going to wrap this thing up soon. But do you have any any one last thing you want to uh, ask the I man? Think, before I was thinking about something while Timbo while you were talking. You got anything? And I was uh, thinking about like uh, cooking up there. I was I think thinking about you know we were you and I were talking recently and we we just listened to a podcast with the Black Keys and they kind of seem to be one of those bands that sort of the newer there's a lot of blue the neo blues blues soaked people. you yeah. know <clears throat> are there any newer bands that uh, you know like the Black Keys or anybody else that maybe you're uh, you kind of like what they're doing any younger bands or maybe Jack White what do you what do you think oh, about yeah. a guy like that yeah. yeah I heard he went. Solo, they just, right? they just broke yeah. up. The White Stripes broke seems up. Seems like two people could keep a band together, but <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I broke up last year, but then I got back together with myself. I break up with myself. Nobody noticed either way, right. but uh, I don't know. I, I like any kind of. It's still the same feeling I had when I was, you know, listening to music. It came on the radio when my parents were driving me around, and like songs like "Secret Agent Man" or "Dirty Water" by the Standells or "Satisfaction" by the Stones. If it's got that good guitar riff in yeah. it, I'm instantly drawn to it, yeah. and and I still have that feeling. And then through the '70s, you know, and all of a sudden, Rock Lobster came out by the B52s, <laughs> and there's that feeling again. Yeah, yeah there's that riff. Really, you know, yeah, and there's that feeling, that riff. So things that have a riff, I'm immediately drawn to. Yeah, and that makes um, sense. yeah, and I just. Um, there was a Frank Zappa song that I was listening to the other day. I don't know how it escaped me at the time, but it was called Apostrophe, and. Um, I listened to that the other day, and it had that same kind of feeling to yeah, it. Yeah. So thank God they still make music like that. Yeah, some of the, them do. Just riff-oriented music yeah. like Black Keys yeah. or Mofro or, or, or uh, Jack Johnson or, you know, st- or John Mayer, for that matter. You know, I tried not to like John Mayer, but I couldn't <laughs> not like him. It's just too good. Yeah. You know, and... Um, it's not a coincidence that all these rock stars are jumping on his band. I feel like wagon. that's a guy you would have crossed paths with. No, I, I, I missed out on his he was Atlanta, around here. Missed and, out yeah. on his Atlanta experience, but um, I mean, I just I try not to listen to it, music, whether it's what genre it is. I mean, if I like yeah. it, I like it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And let's face it, there's some really terrible blues out there too, and so there's bad and good of every genre. Yeah. And um. You know, whether it's derivative or not, I try not to even listen to that. If it's got that good government mule guitar driven vibe lick to it, you know, and you hear the lick. Well, it's got to have soul, you know? Yeah, rocking horse. You know, you're just immediately pulled into that. Yeah, yeah. And, um,. I still like hearing that. Now, it, it, it does seem like in Atlanta, it's harder to find, um, um, you know, radio stations that play what I would consider good lick-oriented music. There's a new AM station that I like quite a bit. and they're playing some, Yeah, they're playing some good stuff. So, you know, I find myself being drawn more towards, um, you know, satellite radio and stuff yeah. like that. And I could turn on... Uh, some of their, my friends called them, uh, it's got a name, I can't think of the name of the station on, on one of those uh, satellite shows. Well, it's B.B. King's uh, Bluesville. That's a good one. Yeah. You know I'm going to like that. But there's another one. My friend says it's oldies. I go, oh, that's not oldies. This music is timeless. But they yeah. play really good kind of like, you know, B-sides and, and, and old. Oh, albums. Underground Garage. Underground Garage, it's yeah, with Stevie. Stuff like, Stevie, uh, stuff like well, that. Stevie Steve Van Zandt. Yeah. And, Stevie's Underground um, Garage. So I don't know. I like the, you got to yeah. seek out the good stuff, and then yeah. sort yeah. of if you don't like it, you don't listen to it. And it just so happens that music that's really popular doesn't seem to be what I'm drawn towards. I well, like stuff, you're like most people yeah. we know. Yeah, I like I stuff that's like off the beaten path, yeah. you know, and and maybe you know because when you're number two, you try harder, but when you're number like two million, you really try harder, <laughs> and uh, so you know people that are trying, and yeah. um, and I like that, and uh, God forbid I have any laurels to rest on in my career. I think that you know you go out to see a band, and if they're struggling, then then you like it, you know, and you you feel like a part of the struggle, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of with them. And then, yeah. like we were saying before, you see a band that's really good and there's not many people around. It feels special. 
Yeah, like, yeah or, I saw a private show, but then you want to get the word out, you know? you got to check these guys out. Or if you go see something um, that um, that you know you're going to like, uh, and and they don't, they, you're not a, they're not as good as you thought right. they were going to be, and then all of a sudden the opener, on a particular night I went to a concert, and, and Carl Denson's Tiny Universe was the opener. Oh, yeah? And they... Uh-huh. Completely blew the headliner. That's a hot band. Completely <laughs> blew the headliner. You don't remember off who it was? No, the headliner. I'm not going to say who the headliner. Oh, yeah, of course, it's it's good, good the thinking. Headliner, but right? um, <laughs> but um, they completely exposed the headliner as as, as imposters. And but the weird thing is, is that um, the thousand people at the show did not care. They did not feel the same way I did. Right. And um. And so it doesn't matter yeah. to them. But to me, I knew that, that Carl Denson and the Tiny Universe was the real thing and that the headliner was um, was Pat Boone following Fats Domino. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, Fats Domino <laughs> creates rock and roll and, 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 you know, and is airlifted from Katrina Hurricane off the roof of his mouth, meanwhile, uh, roof of his house. Yeah. And then Pat Boone does the covers of his songs and sells millions. Yeah, and, yeah. And um, I don't want to offend any Pat Boone fans <laughs> that might be listening to this podcast. But you know, so Just I don't. Remember, I, I don't know how it works. Crazy out. Train. <laughs> I don't know how it works crazy. out, but. Um, but you know the the underground stuff is the stuff I like. I'll just right. close with that. All right, cool. Well, I will uh, end this by or. Start to end this by saying, well, first of all, we're, we're going to play another tune for our audience. We're going to, I'm going to tack it on here yeah, after we, we wrap everything we up. up with? We're going to finish up with uh, one off a of Moment of Truth, um, which is the one before. That's the previous on? one, right? Moment Just, of Truth, yes. Yeah, yeah. And the song is um, Highway Soul? Is that right? Freeway Soul. Freeway Soul. Yeah. Um, so we'll do that. Uh, I wanted to tell you, you know, you have the career that Brian and I always talk about that we're envious of. Yeah. Um, that you're making a living, you know, playing music and doing well, and, and you seem to be real happy, and you got a great band, you got a good label, you got, you know, everything. We love it, you know, but you're still, I still feel like you're you're at that level that you're, um, what am I trying to say? Well, you don't get, you're not, you're not like in that hassled because, you know, everywhere you go, people are bugging you, and you, you have your own private life. I feel you like you're doing your own thing. And it's too late to you go back to law no- school, so exactly. I mean, this is pretty <laughs> much it. This is yeah. all right. It's you're never right. too late. Or history class. Or yeah, history, <laughs> open a history store. <laughs> I used, used history, I used history <laughs> store. <laughs> Come check out all our new history. Nobody's got, <laughs> nobody's uh, got any use for our used history. Um, but, you, you know, you can go. Food shop and yeah. grocery shop and do the yeah. things that you want to do. Live a nice, nice life, and and yet you're playing music for a living. It's great. Perfect. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's cool. And I, you know, and I have been with a major label before, and and that was cool too. I can yeah. say I did that. But right. the problem with the major labels is they expect results yeah. and yeah. Um, a little demanding. Major, yeah. <laughs> major results. <laughs> right. They, right. they expect big things, and yeah. uh, so that's the the flip side of that. Yeah. Coin. But no, it's it's cool, and um. You know, and also, if you're, like, in a rock band, and if you're, like, famous, and you're a rock band, and you're in your 20s, and your hair falls out, yeah, you're done. That's it. <laughs> but if you're in a blues band, and your hair falls out, <laughs> follow me here, get with me here. Yeah. If you're in a blues band or a jazz band, and your hair falls out, you charge an extra 500 <laughs> a night. So it's a win-win situation for getting a hold in this genre. Right. Yeah. No, we well we suddenly did. you're distinguished. Yeah, well, a, yeah, you're in, you're you're you've got the the track record, and and you yeah. are Howlin' Wolf. And yeah, right. <laughs> the thing about Howlin' Wolf is that, I mean, the guy never traveled in a tour bus. You know, nowadays you have people bursting on the scene, and and they're 17 and they're in a bus. Yeah, right. right. When I saw Howlin' Wolf, they were either flying to places and. They were in station wagons. Basically, they traveled in two station wagons. Yeah. Muddy Waters, at the very end of his career, I think, did the bus thing. Yeah. But, I mean, really, it's um, those people played music because they wanted to play. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Helen Wolf could go to the gro- grocery store in his neighborhood and people might have said, you know, where are you playing this, right. this weekend? Because Buddy Guy told me that back in the... 
even in the 70s, if they played a place and like 80 people came, it was like a big night. Yeah. And then they would tour, of course, and they would be, you know, regaled as stars. But he still talks about Muddy Waters hanging a little PA system and one microphone up in these clubs and yeah. playing. And this was at a time when the Rolling Stones were doing his songs and right. stuff. Uh. So yeah, well, ain't a lot of ain't deal. a lot of fame going yeah, on in the yeah. music I like. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, and like I was saying, I'm glad that you're you know you've had the career that that you've had. Now a little bit of extra fame might be nice. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody wants to make me famous, That's tell right. me what I have to do, and <laughs> I'll consider it. That next wave. Uh, well, we're real gracious to uh, yeah have you here on our show. Thanks for being an Atlanta guy too, an Atlanta. Uh, Staple. Staple and supporter, Pioneer I'd say. I'm trying to say like a supporter of yeah, local yeah, music yeah. And, and, and that type of yeah, thing. Yeah, you always have that foot rooted in the Now, before in the I fantasy. forget to mention it, of course, again, Variety Playhouse next, well, this coming Friday. The 18th. February 18th. 18th. Um, go see him. And uh, opening up, Bill, our, our own Bill Sheffield with his old band, the XLs. The XLs, Oh, yeah. it's a great band. Yeah. That's got to be a tough so, act to follow. Nah, you'll, you'll be good, but it'll be a whole They're going to give me the Carl Denson treatment. Oh. <laughs> I know it, but I welcome that. Bring it up. I don't up. know if it'll go that far. Oh, but it's good. Let's just say it's going to be a full, excellent night of music all the way around. Um, and uh, Tinsley's uh, website will be on our homepage of our website, so go check out. You can buy his albums and uh, everything else about him. Uh, if you're listening to us for the first time and you're a Tinsley fan, welcome. And uh, please Thanks check out listening. some of our, our other podcasts. Um, if you enjoyed this, I'm sure you'll like other ones as well. And we always say, each every face, tell two faces. And yeah. We build, get the word build our scene here. We'll build our little scene and we can uh, keep getting these quality guests like we're having here tonight. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what we got to do. So for uh, Tim Butler. Turbo Tim. Yep. To my right. Thanks for hanging. Thanks for having me here. My name is Ira Malkin. That's Brian McClanning over there. Our guest has been Tinsley Ellis. And one thing we always like to say is... Save it for the show.
Faces Radio. 